It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Look, this is a 1-1 series. Yeah, yeah, Celtics yeah. go and split on the road. That did, did, did what they needed to do, right? And when I look at this series, guys, I went in picking the, the Warriors and six. I haven't moved off that. And part of the reason is I think there's going to be at least one game where game six Clay shows up. You know, like, the, the he can get hotter than anyone ever. And, Jay, even if he doesn't wind up with 42 points or something, but he might score 18 of the quickest points you've ever seen and put the game away in the third quarter. But it has not been the case so far. Clay has been not looking that great. Listen to what he says about how he gets out of a slump. That's the beauty of playing in today's age is you can go on YouTube and you can look up all your great moments. And, uh, gosh... I'll probably just YouTube Game 6 Clay because there's some very high-pressurized situations I was in, and I ended up shooting the ball well. And when you can do it, when your back's against the wall, you know you can do it at any given moment. You see, this is what you have to worry about if you are Boston, the fact that Clay can score in spurts, right? So, like, limiting his touches in transition, continuing to stay aggressive and disciplined defensively, to chase him off the three-point line, forcing him to do things off the dribble. I cannot iterate that more importantly. Forcing him to do things off the three-point line key is one of the biggest takeaways that you have to have for the Boston Celtics because his shooting percentage goes down drastically. And that's how you play with him. And if you're able to limit the spurts from Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole, then it puts a lot more responsibility on the shoulders of Stephen Curry to keep up this 32 points per game in the NBA Finals. And I know that there's a lot of ambition and motivation for him there, considering people have always talked about him not being the NBA Finals MVP. But he needs help. Everyone but needs he, help. Everyone no needs help. No one does it by themselves. And that's the biggest thing, I think, takeaway for the Celtics tonight against Clay. Well, yeah, when you, when you talk about, Jay, you mentioned the dribble. When he, when he dribbles, when he, when he doesn't dribble the football, football basketball is 42%. Dribble the football. That's like me with NFL hockey. Yes, dribble the football. 30% when he dribbles. You know, so when you look at it, they want to allow him to – the Warriors want to allow him to catch and shoot. Don't They don't want him putting the ball on the ground. One, two, boom, let it go, or catching, let it go. When he's trying to create his own shot is when it seems like he's been getting into trouble. Um, let me, hey, hey, Key, let me just, like, real quick on that stat. When he doesn't dribble, he's shooting 42%. When yeah. he puts the ball on the floor, 30%. From the three-point line. From the, three, from from the three-point three. line. So that's big. So, 30%, you are not an adequate three-point shooter. 42%, you're excellent. Yeah. And so they've got to figure out how to get him coming off the screens, coming off those sort of things so he can just catch and shoot opposed to trying to create his own shot. You saw in game three, I mean in game two, that's what he was doing. He was – trying to create or they were allowing him to create his own shot which the Celtics said you go right ahead and you do that because we're not going to allow you to catch a shoot the couple times that he did catch a shoot it was buckets 
And I think it changes for him in game three, though. He knows what he has to do. The focus will be there. And they need to make sure that Steph Curry doesn't disappear in trying to make sure that Clay does his part as well. You know, also, I think a, a big part for tonight on top of Clay Thompson, you know, trying to find his rhythm offensively is Jordan Poole is that kind of dynamic ball handler because of his ability to get to the rim, because of his ability to make shots from deep. I mean, he made that one shot in the third quarter that was from almost half court. Right before before the end of the quarter. Well, yeah, that was cooking in though. That yeah, was but I mean, them, it, it, it just shots. it kind of like yeah, it, it perpetuated cooking to a different degree for the Warriors at that time. But like he's the guy that if Clay isn't going at that rate, like if Clay and we talked about Clay not having the same pop, he missed a lot of chippies. We are talking about NBA Finals. He's been playing basketball for a pretty extended period of time, the most he's ever played in the past two and a half years. There is something about that, right? Maybe his legs are back tonight, but if they aren't. You need Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins to step up and this carry is, the load. This is why I was so impressed with Steph game two. Because uh, Steph and Dre. Steph and Dre are like, the, when you talk about the nucleus of the, of the change, of the revolution in basketball, right? Oh, Steph changed the game along with Dre. Dre comes out, does his thing, imposes his personality on the game. He's playing defense, all those things. And then Steph, when you really look at the way that game went, Celtics were winning. It felt to me like they were going to win. They just felt like in control to me. And the Warriors didn't look right exactly. Steph went crazy in the third quarter, and it was over. But, Jay, that's when Jordan Poole, once they were up 12 or 15 points, now Jordan Poole gets hot and really salts away the game. But Steph needs that from Jordan Poole or someone, really, from Poole earlier. It can't just be Steph drags you to a 10, 12-point lead, and now Jordan Poole chips in. He needs those contributions. He's going to, it seems to me, need that kind of contribution at more pivotal points in the game. And I, I believe he will get that from Clay. But as you said, Clay can't create his own shot right now the way someone like Poole can. Well, look, man, history favors the Warriors here to get one on the road. I mean, in the Stephen Curry era, era he, they've always gotten one row game in these series. So, mm-hmm. uh, look, I, I think they'll come out potentially splitting. But even though Golden State won game two, it still feels to me like Boston has the slight advantage. Even though I'm still picking Golden State's the Warriors. One more quarters, the whole thing, all that. I'm still picking the Warriors to win. I, I said six. But as I'm watching the game, I don't think you'll have a game in which Al Horford only take. I mean, he didn't take his first shot until 18 minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. He's got to have 26 points in game one. Marcus Smart looked like a shell of himself. That's why Key, a lot of times, you know, as an athlete, you look for things that get you to be lost in the game competitively. It almost felt like Marcus Smart wasn't the same Marcus Smart that we saw being aggressive in game one because he was too much worried about Draymond Green and the barking. It seemed like their whole team was. So how do you get those, you know, between White, between Marcus Smart and Al Horford, who combined for 65 points in game one, how do you get them back re-engaged and to be aggressive offensively? Because when they are, Celtics are a different team. Well, if you, if you worry about Draymond in game two barking, then what you going to do in game three to change that? Because he's going to bark in game three. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. But how is that going to change anything? Just because you're being aggressive, he's still going to bark. If that was if that was your your uh, kryptonite, him barking in game two, I, and he's going to bark in game three, what, is that going to make you not be aggressive? I don't think it was kryptonite. I honestly thought they looked like a like a baby team. They looked like a young team. Like well, it was were, kryptonite like a because they talked about it. You know, you mentioned, and we saw them, Worried about it, doing timeouts on the sideline. What are we going to do? Don't pay attention. All, you, you focused in on the wrong thing. Well, I, I, like I said, 
I mean, to me, kryptonite is something that always gets you, right? Um, for me, I think that was a weakness that Draymond was able to take care of, uh, take advantage of in game two. I don't think that's the kryptonite for who Boston is all the time. Okay, I got you, coach. I don't want to, you know. No, 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 I feel you. It's all good. I don't want to poo-poo kryptonite. <laughs> but see, I'm into sci-fi, so Superman always had issues with kryptonite. Always. So I, that's why I don't think, like, I don't see this always well, being really, an issue really, for the Boston Celtics. Well, we're really debating kryptonite. I just, you right said now. kryptonite. I went into what my I sci-fi. Really, well, let me thoughts. tell you what I really didn't like about kryptonite, okay? Oh, God. If some <laughs> planet light years away, so many light years away explodes, the odds of any piece of that planet finding its way to Earth are so remote. How are there all these pieces of kryptonite, kryptonite here on Earth? It's ridiculous. Well, Jay, he can bring, you can bring kryptonite back once you take that trip up in space. Yeah, know. that's right. <laughs> Jay's looking for kryptonite. I'll tell you what the kryptonite is for the Celtics. Yeah. Turn the ball over, man. Like in all their series that they play, their kryptonite is when they turn the ball over, they, like over it in 10 times, they end up losing these games. So when you turn the ball over 18 times against Golden State in game two, even if Klay Thompson is not having a good game, same with Wiggins. Even if Jordan Poole doesn't get going until late Extra in the third quarter, it keeps the, you yeah. in the game. I, I really still think Klay 33 Thompson, points max off I even, turnovers I even think about the, the series with Toronto. That kind of gets washed away because KD got hurt and then Klay got hurt. Steph actually was big in that series at key moments at home. Klay also, like, I think without KD, Golden State would have lost. But a lot of people think, no, if, as long as Klay doesn't also go down, Golden State would have won. Clay was shooting the lights out, right? He really, that was the last time he's played until very recently, 900 plus games. I'm unsurprised. I'm not surprised that he had a couple of rough games in the finals by his standards. I don't expect that to last all finals. He's going to get hot and, and can Boston deal with it when he does? I may be wrong, but I don't think, I don't think Steph's going to get going tonight. I think oh. I, I, I think that Boston's going to make it a mission to slow down Steph tonight. I mean, averaging 32 points in the NBA Finals is a big thing. I, like, if look, we always talk about the ancillary Pete Clay. We're talking a lot about you know Wiggins and Jordan Poole, but Steph was able to get a lot of his buckets off high pick and roll, right? In which he got the matchup against Al Horford. Yeah. If you have Robert Williams, who is a little bit healthier tonight, I think he'll have a lot more of an increased role that gives a lot more length. For Steph to shoot over if they do switch or end the possessions. And I, I think they're going to limit Steph getting his touches in transition. And won't be I don't in drop coverage. See, I don't think you'll see Steph get as many points tonight as he did the first two games. Yeah, but uh, w- w- whether or not he has a ton of points to me is not so relevant as when that happens. If Steph has a slow first half, but I want to see Steph, and yes, he needs help. He can't do it by himself. When it matters most in the finals, second half, third quarter, fourth quarter, Jay, he could wind up with... 18, 20 points, but, you know, 12 of them come when you need it most. To me, that's a good game. Okay. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. Back to the NFL. Let's just start with the fact that he's actually here for this. Obviously, <laughs> last year, he skipped this mini camp and everything else in his offseason of discontent. I truly believe that he loves the game, and I do think it's going to be really hard for Aaron Rodgers to walk away from football with just one Super Bowl. He'll retire at some point, but I'm not going to talk about him retiring and wonder if he's going to retire as we get into the season every single day. Somebody week. tells me you will. No, I won't. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Guys, what superstars are done winning titles? We asked it earlier in the show, 888-729-3776, 888-SAY-ESPN. J. Will, 
Um, LeBron? Guys, Rob Domofsky asked Aaron Rodgers the following at a press conference about his future. Listen to the question. Listen to Rodgers' response right in the very beginning. So do you, do you think you'll finish your career here? Yes, definitely. See yourself at some point saying, I'm going one more year and then I'm done. I would never say that publicly. Um, yeah, I've, I've never been one to want some sort of going going away season or anything like that. Um, and plus, I don't think it's fair to the mental state at the end of the season and thinking how you feel. If you say I'm for sure playing two more or three more years and then you have a magical season and end with a championship and think that that might be the best way to write off, you know, I don't want to commit to something. You say I'm only playing one more year and you have a bitter taste in your mouth and still got the drive and the passion to play one or two more years, I just don't want to get pigeonholed into it. So I'm focused on this season. Um, I'm never going to drag it out in the off season. The conversations I've had with Brian have been very honest and, and, and direct, and that's not going to change. And, and we'll sit down after the season, and hopefully after a championship, and, and figure out what the next step is. Okay, so that hot news, I think that's hot news. Aaron Rodgers saying I'm going to retire as a Packer and all this kind of stuff was asked by ESPN Packers reporter Rob Domofsky, who is with us now. What's going on, Rob? Max, how are you? Doing well. That's quite an answer you got, I, I thought. Were you surprised <laughs> to hear it? Rob, didn't my man just sign uh, the contract? Yeah, and the funny thing was that earlier it started with, um, you know, someone asked him why he signed the contract, and, and he kind of, in this roundabout way that he tends to do, said, you know, it's a three-year deal, but we really did it three years for salary cap reasons, and that's not an indicator of how much longer I'm going to play. There was a lot to unpack in all that 20 minutes that he talked to us yesterday. I think you're right, though. The most interesting thing is that you know he said, yes, I'm definitely retiring as a Packer because you know even three months ago, uh, before he had signed that extension, everything was on the table from retirement to returning to Green Bay to wanting a trade. I mean, so, you know, it, it's almost like he's come full circle because he always said he wanted to play his entire career for, for the same team. Then last year in the, the offseason of discontent, he said he was never playing here again. And now we're back to, I'm going to finish my career here. And, and in that, that long answer about, you know, I would never say that I, this is going to be my last year. Uh, you know, I would never do that. Uh, but, but if, like, you know, uh, if we had a magical season, went out one at all, you know, maybe that's the way to walk away. I do think that if they won the Super Bowl this year, um, you know, that probably would be it. Um, but the other thing that, that we didn't hear in there that was interesting is that he was asked a lot about Devontae Adams and his departure and wanting out of Green Bay. And, and he, you know, ultimately it came down to uh, Devontae wanting to, you know, probably get out of the shadow of Rodgers and, and play with his college quarterback in Derek Carr. But – he did say that he and Devontae had some long, frank conversations about how much longer that Aaron was going to play. And while Rogers said he, you know, didn't indicate how much longer it would be to us, you know, it, it sort of felt like to me that maybe he told Adams, yeah, you know, I'm probably only playing one more year. So, you know, maybe you should look out for your long-term future and, and get settled with, with a quarterback that you're going to be with for a while. That part is speculation on my part reading between the lines, but um, you know, I thought that was an interesting uh, uh, soundbiting quote as well. You media members, Rob, you guys just take the cheese all the time. He throw it out there to you media people, and you guys just <laughs> bite it. I mean, it's unbelievable because the way that I'm looking at this thing is when he decides to retire, you know, because he's becoming more likable now, right? The, the, the whole 
problems that he had a spring ago or one foot in, one yeah. foot out, all that. And people, people was like, oh, he's just doing it for attention. Yeah. His whole deal was never for attention because he was getting attention by dating celebrity women, by, <laughs> by being on Jeopardy. Those, that's his attention right there. He doesn't need us it to follow him and run around. That's only football attention. I, I look at it and I say Tom Brady is, is more likable now than he was in New England. In New England, people hated Tom Brady. Now he's funny. Yeah. He's on social media. People are liking him. I think 16 months from now, 12 to 16 months, Aaron Rodgers is going to be so likable that he's looking at a $375 million deal from somebody whether it's a game show host or whether it's one of these networks that's so desperate that they're willing to yeah. hire somebody that has a little bit of personality that could come out. What do you think? Joel Key, he may be more likable from a national standpoint, but I will tell you this, from the Packers fan base standpoint, there were a lot of people pretty unhappy with how he performed in the playoffs against San Francisco in that game where they only put up 10 points. Uh, you know, Pretty unhappy with how he played the year before in the playoffs when they lost at home uh, to Tampa as the, the number one seed. And, um, you know, I, I think with Packers fans specifically, um, he may not have as much equity as, as maybe he does nationally. Now, what matters more, you know, probably his national image and national perspective. I mean, I don't know what the ratings were for that golf match with him and Brady and Mahomes and Allen, but my, my suspicion is it was pretty high and that, you know, he was pretty engaging in that setting um, and, and could do something like that. Look, Aaron's a different, different dude. He's always marched to a different beat. And, and, and I'm not so sure his post uh, NFL career will be, you know, the same path as, as the, you know, some of the other guys, um, you know, li like yourself and, and, and other guys that have ended up successful in the media. I don't know that he'll do that. Rob, I'm curious, how much pressure do you think this season? Well, actually, no, let me take that back. Do you think it's before it's all said and done? Do you think Aaron Rodgers will win an, another Super Bowl hmm. in Green Bay? Just get right to the <laughs> right, yeah, right, right to, to it, the Rob. Yeah, I want to get right to it. Yeah. The potatoes. Oh, there are people that think he's not a playoff winning quarterback anymore. I, I don't know that, that that I would necessarily go that far, um, but his recent playoff performances have not been great since they won the Super Bowl. They've played, I believe, it's sixteen playoff games, which is essentially well, what used to be a full season, and he's 7-9 and nine in those playoff games. I mean, if, if you're a starting quarterback and you go 7-9 and nine in a season, you know, you're, you're probably, you know, you're probably getting run out of the job or at least your job's in jeopardy. So, um, you know, I, I do think they have put some things in place, uh, you know, and how can you say, well, they're better without Devontae Adams. They're not better offensively without, without Devontae Adams. But they have put some things in place. That, that maybe takes some of the pressure off Aaron Rodgers to do it all himself. Defensively, they've gotten so much better. Um, you know, I mean, they, they were really good last year, and they brought back all their important pieces, plus added two first-round draft picks on the defensive side of the ball, Quay Walker and, and Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, both from Georgia. Uh, they have invested in special teams in the sense that they finally have a special teams, a proven special teams coach in Rich Musaccia, the uh, it was the interim co head coach of the Raiders last year, and players loved him. And special teams has been a huge problem here throughout Rodgers' entire tenure, and they've had some massive special teams meltdowns that, that have cost him. So I do think, Jay, that there are things in place that maybe will make it easier for Rodgers to not have to do it all 
on his own. And then and going back specifically to Devontae Adams, as, as incredible as Devontae is and as, as great as their connection was, go back and look at that last pass play against the 49ers when they were trying to drive down the field to tie or win the game. He, he was locked in on Devontae Adams, who was double covered, and Rodgers threw into it incomplete when he had Alan Lazard wide open over the middle of the field for what would have been a first down and move the chains and keep the drive alive. And he didn't go that way because, you know, theoretically, you know, he even said it yesterday, 80% of their pass plays last year were designed for, for Devontae Adams. Now, you know, he won't necessarily be locked in on one guy and maybe he'll be more willing to take what, what is given to him rather than to force it to Devontae. Rob, give me a real quick answer on this. Matt LaFleur, if, if Aaron Rodgers – wets the bed here in the next year or two. Is Matt LaFleur pressure just going to just explode where he's going to be on the hot seat? Well, he's won 13 games in his, each of his first three years. I think the, the more telling thing, he will be after Rodgers is gone. What does he do? What does Matt LaFleur do without Aaron Rodgers? That will ultimately uh, determine whether he's, you know, on the hot seat or, or he's, um, you know, or he's a success or, or whatever ends up happening, if it's Jordan Love or anybody else. That is Rob Domofsky, ladies and gentlemen, ESPN Packers reporter. As always, Rob, thanks for jumping on with us this morning. No problem, guys. We'll be seeing you. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. You either have to completely ignore Green, his antics, and his disruption, or we're going to confront him every single time he runs his mouth. Nobody's paying to watch this stuff to see guys get thrown out of the game and you not see the game you want to watch. You do have to be diligent. No, or you don't. Somewhat, man, no, look. You don't. Okay. No, you don't. So, you got to be who he is, Jay. Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Yeah, man. Keyshawn, J. Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. And we're joined now by Warriors TV analyst Kalina Azabuki. Talked a lot. Kalina, good morning. We talked a lot about, about how the Celtics should respond. Uh, how should the Warriors respond to Draymond's antics or for whatever you want to call them? Draymond's behavior. Forget about the Celtics for a second. 
What do the Warriors do? He's doing emergency podcasts and, and the like. I think their approach to it is just let him be himself. And last game, it kind of felt like he knew that officiating crew was going to really make him earn that second technical and get kicked out of the game. I feel like he kind of knew that he could push it just a little bit, and that was more of an, a, a veteran officiating crew, and they, and they weren't going to kick him out that easily. But I just love the way he started out game two. You could tell he was going to come out tenacious. Obviously, he's the emotional leader. And he started with this intensity that really set the tone for the Warriors. Even though they kind of got, got off to a slower start and the Celtics were really surging there early, he really brought that physicality. And everybody said that the rest putting the whistle away and letting them play a little more was going to be a Celtics advantage. He came out thinking, okay, I'm going to make this our advantage. We're going to be the more physical team. We're going to be the more aggressive team. And he played with an attitude that really – brought everybody else along for the Warriors, and everybody else kind of followed suit, and they finally got in rhythm and really pulled away from the Celtics. So I feel like the Warriors kind of like what Draymond is doing, and I feel like he's probably going to try to do the same thing in Game 3 tonight. But he's just got to be careful and make sure he's cognizant of the officiating crew and understanding what he can and can't get away with. But he was kind of pushing it there in Game 2, but it looked like he kind of knew he wasn't going to get kicked out. Kalina, I got to ask you a question as a Hooper, man. Um, we've, never, we've never had a situation within the NBA Finals where a player has a podcast. It's brilliant, right, strategy, marketing-wise, yeah. brilliant for his brand. But we never had a situation in which a player has a podcast in which he breaks down games or his thought process to things um, literally hours after games or even you know three days in between games giving his random thoughts on issues. Um, does that bring extra added attention on a locker room? Because you know how coaches are. Coaches, they want to minimize distractions. They want to minimize all these different narratives. They just want you to focus on the game. And I'm not saying that doing a podcast takes away from your focus on the game, um, but how do they internally deal with a lot of the um, stuff that pops up from Draymond doing his podcast throughout the course of the finals? I think they're kind of all used to Draymond just talking a lot, and, and now he's just got more platforms to do it where everybody else can hear it. But I really don't think they're worried about it. I feel like they expect Draymond to to bring it whenever he's on the court, be ready to play, do what you do. you got to be our emotional leader. you got to set the tone with your energy. you got to be the defensive quarterback. And as long as he does that, they're going, hey, do as many podcasts as you want, emergency podcasts, TNT, whatever it is. But just come ready to play and don't air out any of our laundry. If there is any dirty laundry or whatever, just keep what's supposed to be in-house in-house. And I think Draymond's done a pretty good job of that. He understands he needs to keep the the trust that he has with his teammates and that bond and that family that they have in the locker room and around the organization intact and, and not break that code. And he hasn't broken the code there. So I, I think the Warriors and his teammates are kind of just going, hey, let, let Draymond be Draymond. He's excited about kind of being the first when it comes to being in the media and being a player at the same time and breaking things down. And he, he's gaining listeners and all the things that are happening right now with his podcast and, and TNT and everything. It's, it's kind of what he had in mind. He wanted to be 
kind of a groundbreaker, and, and he's doing that. And it's just about, hey, okay, if you're going to do all that, make sure you're going out and performing. And he came out with intensity like I talked about in game two that they want to see really the rest of the series. What do the Celtics need to do, though, to not fall down 2-1 and lose this one at home in game three tonight? Keisha, I feel like they really need their role players to to have big games again. I, obviously, Jason Tatum was much better in game two. You know, we know they need him to play well. Jalen Brown has really become a reliable fourth-quarter scorer for them throughout their playoffs. So they need him to have a big game as well. He probably is thinking, I have to play better than I did in game two. But I think offensively, they can't have they can't have long stretches of the game where there's power outages. I feel like the Warriors have proven that defensively they can kind of lock you down and get separation. And like they've proven that the Warriors have proven that in two games where they've kind of been in control of the game in, in that third quarter. They're able to get separation. They're able to to play pretty div- devastating defense for a good amount of the game. Uh, some kind of stretch where they just able to get some separation and, and pull away from the game. The, the Celtics really can't let that happen, and they would love to keep the game close because they're just not as good of an offensive team as the Warriors are, I believe. They're not as good of a shooting team, even though they shoot a, a ton of threes, and they actually shot it pretty well during the postseason. But they can't have those stretches of the game where the Warriors just kind of shut them down for a while and they're able to get separation. So I feel like this thing of how – game one ended for the Warriors may stick with the Warriors in a good way. And the Warriors have actually been the best team during the playoffs when it comes to scoring in the fourth quarter. They, I don't think they're concerned about how their fourth quarters are going to end and closing games out, even though game one happens. So I think that kind of confidence they've built up during the postseason, their improvement, from the regular season to the postseason when it comes to closing out fourth quarters. That'll kind of bode well for the Warriors on the road. They're obviously going to try to get two of these in a row, but the Celtics can't let those stretches of the game happen when the Warriors are getting that kind of separation. Warriors TV analyst Kalena Azubuki, before we let you go, I've been talking a lot about Steph Curry's legacy um, and what a finals MVP would mean for it. We all know he's one of the greatest players of all time, all that stuff, but start thinking top 10 greatest players ever, that inner sanctum of the all-time greats. They've all spent time as, you know, the best player in the league or arguably the best player in the league. They've all won finals MVPs. Does he need to get a finals MVP in your opinion? I don't think he needs it for his legacy, but but he would like it. And I think he's well on his way given how he's played the, the first two games. It's funny, back then I actually enjoyed watching the Warriors kind of get a kick out of seeing Steph win the Western Conference and Finals MVP. And his teammates were laughing, and Draymond Green picked him up right away as soon as he got it. You see he's just kind of laughing because he knows he hasn't won the Finals MVP, and this is the first year for the Western Conference Finals MVP. But they were all happy for him, genuinely happy. Clay's jumping up and down. But I, I, I do think he wants it, and – Let's be honest, he definitely could have won it before now, but he he had KD on the team, and KD was just a beast. And then, obviously, Andre Godala 
changed that whole series in 2015, and, and he's happy for his teammates. He's just an unselfish guy, and I think it, it's kind of who he is. The fact that he hasn't won one, he, and his attitude is the way he is, and probably the most unselfish superstar that we've ever seen. So I, I feel like, no, he doesn't need it for his legacy to 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 kind of you know solidify him as one of the greats but I, I i think he wants it and he's a competitive dude ultra competitive he's a cold-blooded assassin kind of a silent assassin you, you love his attitude and his unselfishness but he, he definitely wants it. and i think he's he's playing that way i think he's really managed the, the game really well especially in game two you just saw his demeanor he just stayed calm and everybody else kind of followed suit as he's just managing the game knocking down threes making the right reads making great plays bringing that energy moving without the ball he's He's the center of everything the Warriors do, and he knows that. He knows he's the most important player in this series. Thanks, Kalena. What? I appreciate you guys, man. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. So I don't know if you guys know about this, but at Duke basketball the other day, they announced that they had a new general manager for the team, and she is former Nike executive Rachel Baker. Now, she worked key with and Max with, with Kevin Durant for a while through Nike. She also worked with the WNBA and assisting them on the rebranding of the WNBA image and also all their digital solutions around the NBA All-Star Game and NBA Combine. But it just it led me to a bigger conversation around – and, Key, I'm curious, like, where college football is with this, if they've had the official title named as general manager. But we're seeing a lot more college institutions treated like Fortune 500 companies, right? So, you know, you talk about the NBA, you have a general manager of an NBA team. Like, now – GMs in college sports. That's what I'm saying. Working with kids on NIL deals, working on all the ancillary things that you have to build the brand around now to incentivize kids to come to your program. Key, do they do this in college football already? Well, it – they didn't. Ne- I wouldn't necessarily call it a general manager. They didn't, I don't remember them having the title saying general manager. I think Billy Devaney may have had it with the with the Nebraska Cornhuskers under Mike Riley. Who Billy Devaney was a former 
general manager of the the St. Louis Rams and assistant general manager of the San Diego Chargers at the time. But I do know that Nick Saban started sort of kind of like an entire scouting kind of front office operations at Alabama. And now you see it throughout college football where Nick kind of started that and then it trickled down to other programs within college football or college uh, schools. Um, but USC had Mark Jackson, who is the athletic director at Villanova now, who was under Pete Carroll and Lane Kiffin at USC. So he was like the pseudo general manager, the ops guy, did everything, uh, recruiting, did it all. Help decide when they're going to sign players, how many players they're going to sign, all that sort of stuff. So it's been around for a while, maybe under a different title. I want, I want the new, like an, an NCAA or you know, like a college basketball video game with franchise mode. You'd be the GM of a college. Oh, team. I mean, it's still so. Her exact role description is, you know, she will specialize in helping players enhance their personal and professional skill sets, capitalize on strategic partnerships, including NIL opportunities, and work to support players in navigating opportunities and challenges that come with being student athletes at the highest. You know how weird it's well, going to be good, for kids so a generation a from now. Title. To think of how weird it's going to be for kids a generation from now in, in college when it's like, yeah, you used to not be able to get cream cheese on a bagel. Like, that was a violation of, of – and, and <laughs> extra, extra donut. Yeah. Coach K would always say, oh, like, when we get to the league, you recognize you've already telling, been a pro before you become a pro. Yeah. I mean, that's what telling that somebody got cream cheese on a bagel? Remember like, that? Who's really telling that, though? I get you a least snitching on that, too? <laughs> I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and you would see Obi-Wan Kenobi do this all the time. It's called Jedi Mind Tricks. He's like, you will not be doing this, and waves his two fingers across, right? That is what I watched Draymond Green do to the Boston Celtics. I don't want to offend anybody, yeah. but I don't even know who Obi-Wan right. Kenobi Obi- is. Obi-Wan Kenobi, oh, I got you. Up What's until up? a couple years ago, I thought it was Dark Vader. Yeah, Dark Vader. Well. I thought it was life saver. Oh, everyone, everyone, every little kid thought it was life saver when they were. <laughs> makes perfect sense. Oh, they took out the life saver. It's even the same color as the life savers. It's like green, red, That's blue. A candy. Yeah. The red ones are the best. The red ones are the best. I like the yellow ones personally. It's understandable why Key didn't know Obi Wan Kenobi. After all, he went by the name Ben Kenobi for so long. So he was, you know, that's probably how Key knows him. When I'm with you, you really make my day. By the way, did you hear Ryan Clark yesterday Candy really quickly? girl. What's that? He said that Chris Brown can do everything that Michael Jackson can do, and he's better. Can overall. I tell you the most underrated thing about Michael he Jackson? Might, he's is not wrong. Michael Jackson's singing voice is underrated. It's underrated. Not wrong. Yeah. 888-SAY-ESPN. Okay. Never, never mind, Jay. I'm going to stay out of that. 729-3776. What superstars are done winning titles? Jason Williams. Hey. Right. Hey. Cameron in Memphis. Which superstars are done winning championships? Aaron Rodgers. Wow. I think he's saying this, man. Let me tell you the reason why I say this. Because when they actually, when he actually won the Super Bowl, you know, he was a wild card team. You know, he was gritty. He was hungry. Now that, you know, he's, you know, MVP back-to-back, you know, I don't think he's as hungry as he was back in the days. So I don't think he'll get another one. And you know they won't be in a wild card again, you know, because he's too good for that, obviously. But I think it's Aaron Rodgers. And I just want to say this. I am a longtime Giant fan. Max and Jay, you guys are my brothers, Kate. Uh, Kate. 
I don't know what to say about you, bro. Keyshawn. All right. That's all I don't need to say. What you mean you don't want to say about me? Don't hang up. He what, called what you I K. Do? He called you K, too. I let you know how I feel. What about I do, you, man? I you, 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 you're not a dime fan, man. I got to be with my brothers, man. I'm not a nobody fan in the NFL. I don't give a damn about them. I went to the Super Bowl. It ain't got nothing to do with me. I go, hey, look, as I tell people, regardless, I'm going to the Super Bowl every year if your team don't make it. I'm still going. Well, we're trying to oh, go, David. Right. That's our point, Key. We need to go. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you bring me with you, man, because I know the dime's not going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> not this year. The uh, bowl can work out. Uh, let's see. What else? I'm one of your homeboys from Memphis, Jay. Hey, man. That's the, you know, that's the spot. That's where it's at, Key. I'll get you down to a game next year. Is LeBron James done winning titles, guys? When we're asking the fans what superstars are done man, winning do titles. I, I mean, Key, you take that one. Key, take it away. You know, I don't, I, I don't, in my heart of heart, is that right? Heart of hearts? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't believe he's done, but. In your head. In my head, <laughs> it says he's done. But what about this, though, Key? LeBron is still playing at such a high level. If he wanted to not be the focal point of a team, he could be an extremely team, valuable he, role it, player but, when he's like 50 if he wanted yeah, to be. Yeah, but, that, that, but come on, Max. That doesn't count? Why, why would LeBron James, why would he want to play basketball at 50? I mean, if you can play it, why not? Uh, he, I, he, he's done in a couple years playing NBA basketball, man. So you don't see a, a, a chip in, the, in LeBron's future? I can't, he's I can't not going to be out, that guy, man. I can't count him out, Keith. No, I can't really count, I can't count him out. I can't do it. It's just. I can't do it, man. Like, I've seen it. I mean. Yeah, Injuries to be a thing, and, and look, I could be wrong. I'm just saying that dude, at age 37, to do what he did this year, you know, some people no, just got good things him. that happen to him, Key. You know, you always say yeah. that. Yeah. He's in I that category with me. No, I really can't count him out, but it's like, dude, like, let's get to the season and let's see how the season starts. Sean and Yonkers, which superstar is done winning titles? I feel like Kevin Durant is done winning titles oh. because – Kyrie Irving, there's always something wrong with uh, Kyrie Irving. There's always something, you know, he always has something to do. Uh, don't fall victim to this. Don't listen to the, 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 the breadcrumbs the media puts out well, there. Kyrie does seem a bit busy at times. Because we had a pandemic? No, but also, like, sometimes he's not available to play. He, he might was be available last year. He got hurt. Uh, Him, he, James he, Harden, and he, he wasn't all, available the whole he was time, a, actually. But he'd been available. Ago, available. See, this is, uh, this is sort of that narrative. Jay, just like the Draymond technical foul playoff stuff, this is the same thing about Kyrie. First thing he says is he's never available. When has he really significantly you, missed time other than this year because of the vaccination? Like, when has he really honestly missed a he's significant amount of time? Well, he's taking thing. some time off to deal with personal how many issues. How many games? Man, he I don't missed remember. two games or something. Saying. These become narratives that get used with these blanket statements. But actually, yeah. when you dig into the details, it's not like, that well, many. Yeah, it could be. It's not that or it's many. The stuff I, I hate summer, when people he didn't want to go that. to the bubble. They weren't even in the bubble. They wasn't even they in, the in the bubble. bubble. But it's like, oh, that's uh, a distraction. You guys it's might narrative. have a point there because it does stand out in my mind. Like a lot of times, he's just not available. That's but why maybe, we here. That's maybe why it's more symbolic to, than anything else. That's why we're here to help you, Max. Oh well, thank you. We're so here much. to help you because, I, and look, I get so passionate about the damn narratives that set by people. Almost cursed. Really curse because it was set for me. That's the stuff people tried to do to me. Ah, like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean I did that? Oh, that Wayne Corbett's oh, reliable. 
<laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> stop it. Listening to you New York Get chunk. that other foot down, damn it, Key. Yeah, I need to work on that. So I want sure. you to play basketball. <laughs> Just shut up and play basketball. No, but it's always that narrative. They make it sound like Kyrie missed like four seasons in his entire career. Well, how many games was it that he missed for personal reasons that year? Because it does stand out to me like it was a while, but maybe it wasn't much. No, I don't remember. Can we look that up? Five games or something. If only someone would invent a repository for human information that we could just (laughs) hit a few buttons and find the info on. (laughs) Anything like that? You know, I just came up with an idea. We should have something called an internet. An internet. Can anyone look that up? How many games did, did. Kyrie Irving missed that year for seven personal games. reasons. He took a seven-game hiatus. Seven, seven games. I said, five, I said five. I said five. It was seven. Seven's not nothing, seven but it's not, it's not the end of the world. How many, how many damn games is played in a season? 82. 82. Okay, now do the math. Well, Matt. not yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. There was less than 82 because of the pandemic. Uh, oh, uh, God. See, here uh, we go. There, there's that guy is, right there. Give or take. <laughs> seven is give, look, seven is give or take. It, it's in the ballpark of 10%. That year may have been a little more. Most years it would have been a less. But it's about 10% Steven, of the games stop. for personal reasons. Certain oh, superstars, man. By the way, I don't, begr- I, I don't begrudge him. I don't begrudge anyone who needs to take care of personal reasons. I don't ask questions. Like, you got to go do that. But when, over, when you also you look at injury and then you look at the pandemic and you wouldn't get that, people, it's not that, that seven so-called of narrative. He missed is seven, not seven of 72 games. That's 10% games. for personal reasons. Has he heard Could it all you that you reach over and grab his beard for so, me and pull it Kawhi Leonard has missed way more <laughs> now for not they personal the beard. Jealous, it looks so good. All right, Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Willemax, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.